0: All right, well, um, we've got... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray again in just a second when we jump into the, the Word here, but um, we're going to continue talking about the Holy Spirit this morning. We're in a season, or in a series called Abide, and we're really very specifically looking at how the Holy Spirit helps us to fulfill what Jesus called us to do, which was abide in Him, to stay united and connected with Him. He makes His home in us, we make our home with Him And he tells us in that passage in John's gospel that the Holy Spirit is the one who is our helper making that a reality. And so we're on this series discovering who the Holy Spirit is, how we can cultivate a relationship with him, and then what it looks like as that begins to kind of pour through our lives and impact the relationships around us. And so that's where we're heading in this series. So we're in the first chunk of this where we're just looking at who he is. Um, A couple weeks ago, we started out by looking at the fact that he's a connector. He connects us into the family of God. He reminds us of our place as sons and daughters of the king. And that, that connection, that identity, it brings us peace. Brings us peace. He also invites us to be connected with one another. And the Holy Spirit invites us to go out on that risky journey of following him. The scripture tells us he's he's like the wind, and that's a little risky to just entrust yourself to where the wind will take you. And when we're willing to engage in real relationships with God and with other people, that can be risky, but it's an adventure that's worth it. We were made for relationship. And so he's a connector. He connects us to God and he connects us with the family of God. Then last week we talked about how he is our helper And there's a lot of ways that he helps us, but we looked at two specific ways. One is he helps us to grow and change. The Holy Spirit is pictured as fire. And one of the ways he's pictured as fire is fire that comes and destroys the stuff that's got to go. He burns away the chaff. He burns away the dead branches. Not in order to burn it all up, but so that what remains is valuable, beneficial, beautiful. And so he comes and changes us and makes us new. It it sounds scary and intimidating. It's not fun, um, but it's so good because he burns away the junk and that what's left is us able to walk in freedom and new life. And so the Holy Spirit helps us change. He also helps us to have an impact. God has specifically placed you where you are. You have the spouse you have, the friends you have, the job you have. The children that you have, the parents that you have, he has specifically placed you and uniquely made you. And not only does he want to work change in your life, he wants you to have an impact on the world around you. And so the Holy Spirit is our helper. He helps us to share the love and grace of Jesus with other people. And so that's where we have been up to this point talking about the Holy Spirit. This morning, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as our comforter. Um, Kids, we're glad you guys are in with us. At the the last Sunday of every month, we have the kids in with us. And, you know, parents or even non-parents that are in the room, we're gonna have grace for the kids that are with us. We're glad they're here. Um, You guys always do such an awesome job just being a part of this. And towards the end of the service, kind of in a response time, we're gonna take communion together as a church family. And so we'll do that near the end. All right. Are we ready to jump into this and hear about the Holy Spirit, our comforter? Yeah? All right. Well, I'm going to pray one more time because I need some help communicating this. Um, And, you know, maybe I should be better at this than I am, but you're probably going to need some help figuring out what I'm saying so you can hear it and receive it and apply it to your life. So let's all pray for some help that this would come to life and make sense to us this morning. And so, Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Father, we thank you. Uh, that you love us and have rescued us. And we thank you that you give good gifts to your kids. And, And the scripture tells us that gift is the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come as we're learning about you this morning and your role as our comforter. Would you come and teach us what that means? Would you invite us to receive the comfort that's available in you? It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning, amen. Um, Well, I had the really fun privilege of opening my birthday present this weekend. Now, for those of you who don't know me very well, um, or even those of you who do, my birthday is actually in early July, but I got a gift from my parents this year that my gift from them was to go on a road trip to a baseball game with my dad. And so we are longtime Houston Astros fans. I grew up in Houston. There were some fun years cheering for the Astros in there, and there was a lot of painful years cheering for the Astros. They were pretty bad for a long time. And uh, in case you didn't know, we won the World Series last year. So we're still, I'm still celebrating that. So this weekend, uh, we had kind of picked out, you know, where's a place that they're playing that we could go see them. And so instead of going all the way to Texas, we decided to do a road trip up to Baltimore. Um, Camden Yards is a ballpark I've always wanted to go to. And so we drove up on Friday morning early got into Baltimore, got checked into our hotel, and then went early over to the game. And we just got to take in the whole experience as the players are warming up and fans are coming in. And one of the surprises that we had is as we were going to the ballpark, we were seeing Astros fans everywhere. And I figured something out. If you go as a visiting team and your team is really good and you go near the end of the year to a home team who's terrible, sorry, any Orioles fans that might be in the room, They're terrible this year. There were very few Orioles fans still going to baseball games anymore. They've kind of given up. And so the Astros fans had kind of taken over the stadium, and our section over by the third base side, it was like 75% Astros fans. It was crazy. So we found ourselves in, um, in familiar territory. We found ourselves with folks who were cheering for the same team. You're like, Jake, what in the world does this have to do with this message this morning? Well, we, we found some, some comfort in participating with other members of our tribe in hostile territory cheering on our team. <laughs> it was the coolest thing, and it was just a nice little surprise. And so I'll kind of fast forward through the whole game, and we get down to the end of the game, and we're barely ahead by one run, and the Orioles have a player on second base and a batter that's up, and he hits a hard hit, line drive, flying out to center field, and it looks like they're about to tie the game, that the runner from second is going to score. So something happened immediately when the guy hit the ball. Everybody stood up. (laughs) The Astros fans stood up going, watching the ball. The Orioles fans stood up going, yeah, they're thinking they're about to tie the game. And... At the last second, our center fielder comes running in and literally makes a diving sliding catch, barely catches the ball. The Orioles fans all go like this, and the Astros fans all go, yeah, and just cheer and go crazy, and we won a totally meaningless game, but we were pumped. It was awesome. Uh, It was so much fun, and there's just, there's something about gathering with each other and you go through the highs and the lows together and you celebrate together. And, and that is part of what the Holy Spirit comes and does in our midst as a comforter. You know, there, there, there are times and ways that we, we do receive his comfort very personally and specifically, but I believe a lot of the way that he brings us comfort is in our relationships with one another when we link arms and we go through stuff together. And this morning, we're gonna take a look at a a fairly short passage of scripture at the start here, um, but I'm gonna give you some larger context because it it was at a gathering, a festival, a feast of the Jewish people who came together to remember some past difficulty, be thankful for God's rescue, and even look ahead in anticipation of future things he would do. And at this festival, Jesus shows up and has something important to say that I believe we should all hear today. So here we go. This festival that they are gathered at is taking place in John chapter 7. If you want to follow along with your own Bible, you can go and turn there and just kind of put the bookmark or your finger around verse 37 and just hold for a minute. But there is this festival or this feast going on, and it's one of the most popular feasts. Um, it was a, f- a festival that was very joyful and celebratory. Um, it was a reminder, not only of God's faithfulness to, th- to, the, to the Jewish people while they were in the wilderness, that he was with them when they were in the wilderness after coming out of Egypt, but it was also a celebration that he had gotten them through the wilderness into the promised land. And so they're, they're remembering him seeing them through difficulty and they're remembering the victory that he brought. Are you guys tracking with me so far? This is, this is the scene. And so what they would do as a part of the Feast of Booze or the Feast of Tabernacles is they would actually, by way of reminder of living in the wilderness, they would set up these tents. They would build little temporary dwellings and stay in those all week long. It was like a giant group camp out. It was pretty cool. And, and one of the things they would do each day of the feast, they would gather and a pitcher would be scooped up from the pool of Siloam and brought all the way up to the high priest. And everybody would gather and watch. And he would stand at the altar and he would take this pitcher of water and he would pour it over the altar and everybody would, would worship. They'd celebrate. They'd remember the faithfulness of God as he brought refreshing even in the desert season. Now, some historians will note that on the last day, it was actually like the the tail end. There was a seven-day feast, and then they'd gather one more time on the eighth day. And on the last day, they said, these historians say, they would take the pitcher, and it was empty. And they would hold it empty over the pool because they're still looking ahead. They're looking ahead to unfulfilled prophecies. They're looking ahead to a Messiah who is yet to come. They were looking ahead to the days that the prophet Joel talked about where he said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And so this is the scene. They've been remembering God's faithfulness in a desert season. They've been remembering the victory that he's brought as they're in the promised land. And they're looking ahead to the future coming of the Messiah who's gonna refresh and restore them. And it is in this scene on the last day of the feast as the priest is holding up this now empty pitcher that we arrive on the scene. And in John chapter 7 verse 37, John records that on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, "'If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink.'" Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Doesn't it just make that come alive? Do do you see the scene this morning? They're looking ahead to a coming Messiah. They're looking to a yet unfulfilled day when there will be full refreshment and joy that can come only from their king. And Jesus says, today's the day. Water is available for the thirsty. Then John takes time in verse 39 to make it really clear to us what Jesus was talking about. How he was gonna bring refreshment and water for the thirsty. Verse 39. Now Jesus. Now this Jesus said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John says, let me be clear. This refreshing comfort that is available, that is coming, is gonna be through the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus was talking about. A comfort and refreshment that comes from his Spirit. We've been looking at different pictures of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. And so this morning, one of the two we're gonna look at is this picture right here. He's like water. He's like water. He refreshes and restores the soul. He cleanses. You know, a cold drink of ice water on a hot day is really refreshing. A, a shower at the end of a dirty, sweaty, gross day is refreshing. Water refreshes and restores. Man, in a desert, there's nothing better than water in a desert. And this is the role of the Holy Spirit. And so what I wanna do this morning is, I, I, wanna, I wanna remind us or put us in the place of these people that Jesus was talking to at this time because I think it's significant to us today. I think many of us today aren't aren't necessarily experiencing the refreshing, restoring presence of God's Spirit in our life. And so in a lot of ways, we're just like these people who he was talking to that were looking for something they hadn't received yet. And so we're gonna look at two Old Testament passages that talk about this refreshing that it, they are looking forward to that comes from the Spirit of God. So first of all, let's look at the prophet Joel. In Joel chapter 2, I'm going to read a fairly large chunk and then I'm just going to point out some things that we see that refreshing does. And so as we read this, I, I want you to be aware of two things. I, I want you to see the, the water that God is promising that is going to be poured out To folks who are dried up and in the desert, who've been ripped off. They've been through a hard season. The picture here is not only being in a desert season, but like locusts have come and stolen things. We've lost something. That's the picture. God's people are actually in captivity here. They're looking for rescue. And and I want you to realize it's not going to happen till the very end, but at the very end, the prophet Joel is going to make it clear this refreshing that God wants to do is going to come when he pours out his spirit. All right, you ready to read this? See if you can catch all of the ways that God wants to restore us and bring comfort. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat. And the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. Man, there's food, there's wine, there's celebration. Things are wonderful. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, all the different ways you've been ripped off and destroyed. I'm gonna restore it. My great army, which I sent among you. Instead, you shall eat in plenty. And be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God wants to pour out his spirit, which brings his presence. He says, I'm in the midst of you. And when he pours out his spirit, it brings refreshing. Here's some of the descriptive words. Restoration fullness, a return of what has been lost, overflow, plenty, satisfaction, not temporary and fleeting, deep satisfaction, wonder, there actually, we can stand and wonder at what God has done, how he's rescued, how he's redeemed. There's no shame. And then he says there's gonna be prophesying, dreams, visions, He's connecting these with people being comforted, encouraged, being given new life. I think many of us have lost a vision for for the beauty of what God has for us. We've just settled for, I'm gonna trudge through this life. I'm just gonna scrape by. This is all the better my marriage is gonna be. This is, I'm just gonna work this job, just making the mortgage and paying the bills and I, I hate this job, but I'm just gonna trudge through but God's saying, I want to give you vision and hope for the future. Listen, we'll talk more about prophecy in future weeks, but at the simplest level, you know what prophecy is? It's God speaking something to his kids. And what he wants to speak forth is encouragement, joy, restoration. Listen, there's times where the prophecy is, hey, it's time to wake up and pay attention hey, something needs to change. But even when prophecy comes as a warning, it comes as an invitation. To say, I'm I'm letting go of that, I'm done with that, and I'm receiving instead what God has for me. He wants us to be able to dream. He wants us to have a vision for the future and what he's up to. And part of what the Holy Spirit does when he's pouring out encouragement, he reminds us of the former reign. He reminds us of ways he's already been faithful I think sometimes we've lost sight of ways that God has come through and rescued us. When we're in our current desert season, it's hard to remember the refreshing that's come in past times. But he doesn't just leave us there looking backwards. He says, the latter rain is coming too. You can look ahead to future refreshment and restoration and encouragement. And so wherever we find ourselves, God wants to bring comfort for his people. Now, not only can can we find ourselves currently in a hard, difficult desert season where we need refreshment, we we can lose hope sometimes when we look ahead and we don't see hope in the future. And so I want you to see this, Isaiah 44, verses three through five. We can find comfort in the midst of an uncertain future. Isaiah writes and he's speaking on behalf of the Lord and he says, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring, my blessings on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. They'll be like a strong rooted tree by living water. And this one will say, I am the Lord's, and another will call in the name of Jacob, and another will write on his hand, the Lord's, the name himself by the name of Israel. Listen, your future generations will cry out to the Lord and be his kids and be established. I, I gotta tell you, you know, I had a great time on the car ride with my dad, but part of the ride, we were talking about how discouraging it kind of is right now. And I... I've even been a little bit convicted by the fact that, I mean, I look ahead with a lot of concern for my kids and the world they're going to be living in, in the future. You know, I don't know that that's always been the case. I think there have been seasons in our country where we looked ahead with a lot of optimism. And, and this isn't meant to be about politics or, or anything. I'm just saying, kind of wherever you find yourself, I think most people have this sense of Dread. I, I, don't, I don't know if we're heading in a good direction. I don't know if we're going in a good place. And I just have to tell you, the reality is that life in Jesus, the presence of God, it doesn't matter if you're in the desert or you're where the grass is growing and thriving, there is hope. And we can be rooted and grounded and established in Christ and we can draw from the living water that he offers. And we can look ahead with optimism to the future and believe My life is gonna be okay, my future is in his hands and the future generation that I might be concerned about, he's got them. I'm thankful that Jesus has my kids and he's got stuff in store for them. And so whether you're in a current desert season, whether you look ahead to an uncertain future, part of the Holy Spirit's role, his job, his desire is to bring comfort, to bring refreshment, to help us dream again and believe that God is with us and in our midst and for us. Are y'all letting this sink in this morning? He wants to comfort us like with water. Now, a second way that the Holy Spirit comforts us. You know, I don't, I don't know everybody's background in the room this morning, but the Holy Spirit also is pictured as wine. And he brings comfort like the way wine might bring some comfort, some joy, some boldness, some celebration. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Check this out. We're going to actually pick up uh, kind of in the same passage where we left off last week. You know, last week we were talking about uh, how the Holy Spirit, you know, um, comes like wind and fire, and then he anoints us with oil to go out and do the things he's called us to do. And we looked at the passage where God's people had been waiting in the upper room after Jesus returned to heaven. They were waiting to receive the Holy Spirit. And at the very end of where we left off last week, man, they had been filled. The wind showed up and was blowing in the room. The fire showed up. And they went out with boldness out amongst the people and were declaring the truth of the gospel. Well, they were doing this by speaking in a lot of different languages. A bunch of smelly fishermen from Galilee were suddenly sounding like really intelligent Guys who'd learned a bunch of different languages. And the folks were confused, and so we're going to pick up right there. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 12, all of these people that had gathered at another festival, the Feast of Pentecost, they'd come from—Jews had come from all over the world, so they spoke all these different languages. And these guys are now talking about Jesus and their own language. And in verse 12, it says, "...they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another... What does this mean? Others were mocking, saying, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. These people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. It's like 9 a.m. Saying, listen, these guys didn't wake up and get drunk at 9 a.m., But I find it interesting that there was something about their posture and their position that the only thing they could relate it to is these guys seem like they're drunk. There was this joy, this boldness. There were unexplained things happening. And so they didn't know how to identify it. And then Peter continues, and look what he refers to. He refers to the same passage we just read about the refreshing that comes when the Holy Spirit is poured out. Hold on a sec. If muting the mic made that cough any better, but I thought it might help. Verse 16. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. He says that refreshing that the Holy Spirit wants to bring, it's like water, but it also brings festival joy, like wine, when it's poured out. It's life. It's joy. It's celebration. That's what the Holy Spirit brings. And Peter connects it to the prophet Joel. He says, This is that. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been looking for. You see what comes when the Holy Spirit shows up and brings comfort? What comes from that is boldness. I'm not worried about what's around me anymore. I can boldly and confidently step out and be who I am, someone who is blown away by what God's done in my life. Blown away that I could be forgiven. Blown away that I can have this incredible future with him. Blown away that God is present. And in any season, he restores me and comforts me. And that is so good. I don't care if other people hear about it. In fact, I want them to hear about it. I want them to join in the party. That, you know, that's kind of the, the role that comes when we bring alcohol into something, right? It's like, let's all jump in on this and start celebrating together. Now, I'm not promoting drunkenness, but I'm just saying, make the connection here. Let's jump in communally together and Celebrate. Drink on the goodness of God and experience the joy that's available in him. And the beauty with him is it's lasting. There's no regret the next day. There's no hangover. There's no Sorry, I didn't really mean to teach the little kids this morning about hangovers, but there's no There's no drop off. <laughs> There's no drop. Man, it's just we get to live in the presence and joy of God. Listen, when when Jesus was was walking the earth, um, him and his disciples, they, they experienced this joy. And John's disciples, John the Baptist, we've been talking about him a little bit the last few weeks. His disciples at one point were looking at Jesus and Jesus' disciples, and they're a little bit jealous, and so we're going to pick the story up here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. I want you to see this interaction. So the disciples of John, they come to Jesus saying, why do we and the Pharisees, because that's who you want to you know, compare yourself to, why do we and the Pharisees fast like sourpusses, I'm adding in, um, but your disciples do not fast? What's the difference? Why are we fasting and you're not? And Jesus said to them, I love this, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? He's like, hey, the party is happening right now. Remember Jesus' first miracle? He turned water into wine at a wedding. I actually believe that's a process the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. He brings water that refreshes, restores, and cleanses, and then it leads to joy in him. It leads to freedom. It leads to boldness. It leads to celebration. And that miracle Jesus did, I believe, is a picture of this. And he says, listen, when you're with the bridegroom, when you're at the wedding, it's not time to fast. It's time to eat. It's time to party because you're with the bridegroom. Jesus is the bridegroom. He's present. He's in our midst. Verse 16, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wine skins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh skins, so both are preserved. The way they would do this is they would take um, a fresh skin off of an, an animal and they would create a vessel out of it and they would pour the new wine into that vessel and because the skin was fresh, it had room to flex. And so the pressure that built up inside of there as the wine was fermenting, that, that vessel that was holding it was able to stretch with it. Jesus is saying we need to be able to walk with him as those who are new wine skin. we're we're moldable, we're able to stretch, we're able to receive what he wants to pour into us. But if we're dried out and crusty and miserable and unable to receive from him, it has no benefit. But But if I can receive from him fresh and new today, what's the new thing he wants to speak into my life? The new encouragement, the new joy that he wants to bring. We can experience this new wine this joy by being in the presence of God. I, I want to finish by giving us some practical advice. You know, I'm thankful that, that we've got this imagery, we've got this story, we've got this picture, but then Paul just gets nice and practical for us. And in Ephesians chapter five, He's, he's talking about living the life that Jesus has made available to us, walking in love, walking in healthy relationships with one another, and I believe he gives us some insight in how to keep a new wineskin mentality. How do I stay in a place where I'm able to receive the pouring in of the Holy Spirit and receive comfort and joy from him? Here we go, Ephesians chapter five, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, he's drawing a similarity. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? Watch. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Celebrate. Celebrate together the joy and beauty of what Jesus has done. Get together in community with other believers and sing out the hope and truth of what we have in Jesus. Then he also says, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart or in your heart. So I need communal times of reminder and worship. And I need private devotional times. I, I wonder how many of us are dried out because we've lost the ability to be in alone in our car and just sing out and worship Jesus. Jesus. I mean, I, I'm guilty of this. Like, I'm too quick to just turn on some sports and catch up on baseball and what's going on. But man, I've got some alone time. I could worship Jesus. Listen, if you're like me, that's the best time to sing out. My voice is terrible. <laughs> I can't carry a tune. I change keys. Like, I'm always trying to find that perfect volume where I can sing but not mess up the people standing around me and worshiping here. But hey, when I'm in my car by myself, That's right, I can make a joyful noise and joyful noise it is. But listen, what if we learn to be worshipers on our own time? I I think the reason some of us aren't experiencing the comfort and joy of Jesus is it's like during the week, we're dried out dead wineskins and we're just hoping for a new dose when we finally gather on a Sunday morning. Like I need this time with these guys to get the refreshing I need. That's available every day. We get to live in the presence of God. Where the bridegroom is present, the party happens. So have a party in your car and worship Jesus. Let's keep going. What else do we do? Giving thanks always. Not just when things are great, not just on Thanksgiving Day. Let's give thanks always. Let's develop a heart of gratitude. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's so important. I'm giving thanks in Jesus. It's not that the thing itself is wonderful. Man, you know, there's a false version of this, right? Like, have you ever been around people that like act like they're being thankful for the really horrible thing that just happened to them? Well, I'm just giving thanks for that. It's, it's awesome. Jesus is it? No, you're giving thanks that he is with you in the midst of that hard thing. I never find myself thankful for the hard thing I'm in, but I'm very thankful that I'm not alone. I'm very thankful that God is present and with me in the midst of that hard season. And so have a heart of gratitude. Thank him always. And then finally, verse 21, this one might seem odd, but it ties in with what we've been talking about in this series. We're connected with him and we're connected with each other. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Sometimes the way God wants to refresh me is, is through this, through one another. And sometimes it takes me being willing to look at a brother and, and say, man, I'm going through it. Will you be with me? Will you walk through this with me? Will you pray with me? And we can find refreshment and encouragement because we're willing to humble ourselves and be real with one another. And maybe, just maybe, God would speak through Derek to me. Maybe there's something I'm not willing to hear on my own, but Derek, out of love for me, can have some boldness of his own to say, you know what, buddy, I love you, man. But like, I, I think you need to pay attention to this. Or hey, I wanna speak some encouragement. I wanna speak some joy into your situation. Finding comfort from one another. So we worship in community. We worship in private demo, uh, Devotion. We have gratitude and thankfulness in all seasons, and we submit to one another in real, honest, loving relationship. And that cultivates a new wineskin mentality that enables us to to recognize that the Holy Spirit is pouring in refreshment, restoration, and ultimately joy. That's our comforter, the Holy Spirit. So here's what we're gonna do this morning. We're gonna, we're gonna pray and celebrate communion together. And uh, Crystal, Alex, I, I, are you guys leading us through a song? Um, I, I'm gonna give you some practical information really quick, and then I wanna share a thought as we go into communion. So the practical information is this. Once, once I pray and, and we start singing, um, y'all can come on up as you're ready during this next song and grab the, the juice and the bread Go back to your seat. You can take it on your own. You can take it with your family as you're ready. Um, To help with just some traffic flow, would y'all come up the two middle aisles and then go back out the side aisles? It'll just kind of help it a little bit. We'll have about three three guys up here serving communion. So come up anytime during this next song. But as we go into this, um, this just struck me early this morning. This wasn't really something I had planned or was in my notes, but just early this morning, the Lord reminded me of something. You know, so often um, I find the Lord reminding me of, of all of these things that we see in scripture, how ultimately they find their reality in Jesus and how often we see what he's done at the cross. And I just was reminded this morning that after he had breathed, breathed his last and said, it is finished, a guard came around to check to see if he was really dead. And they normally would break break their legs so that they would, They would die, but they got to Jesus and it looked like he was already dead. So instead, they took a spear and they pierced his side. And you know what flowed? Water and blood. Water and blood. And the Lord just reminded me Jesus suffered and his water and blood flowed so I could be comforted and receive his water and his wine. Wine has always been a picture of the blood of Jesus. And so this morning, let's just. Humbly come to him with some gratitude and remember that we get to experience the comfort of God, the refreshing, the restoring, the forgiveness, the joy, because Jesus was willing to suffer on our behalf. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great love for us. Jesus, we honor you and we remember you this morning as our great sacrifice. God, we thank you that you poured out your life so we could receive your life. Thank you for forgiveness, for freedom. Thank you for restoration and joy. Jesus, I thank you that the scripture says that for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. God, I pray that we would be willing to now receive that joy from you that was hard earned. You bought that joy on our behalf. And so God, we remember you this morning. We celebrate you. Holy Spirit, would you comfort our hearts and remind us of the life we have in our Jesus and the joy we can live with walking as new creations, a part of God's family. Jesus, it's in your name we pray this morning. Amen.